welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. How many guys love you some Jesus today? Yeah? All right. It's good to be with you. If you're a visitor, we are excited that you guys are with us. Uh, We call ourselves a family, and so you guys, by default, are part of the family, even if you don't want to be today, all right? Uh, We we just want to welcome you in. If you're regular, again, it's always good to be with family. Um, I want to say this. We we say this every week. I want to just continue to say this, and that is, is our end goal is not Sunday mornings, all right? This gathering that we do on Sunday mornings is all about encouragement. It's all about to try to build us up in the faith. It's all about to try to get us to that place where God just continues to breathe into our life. But, but this right here is only a portion of what we do. Our really, our strongest desire, what our goal is, is that Monday through Saturday, we're connected. And we do that through life groups and Bible studies and house churches and whatever else is going on around the city. And so that's where you really grow with one another. And that's where you really grow in Jesus. So it's great to have you here. We love our Sunday mornings, but if you're not plugged in to, to something outside of just Sunday, we want you just to think about that, pray about that, and encourage that, because coming September 1st, we're going to be kicking off a bunch of new life groups and things for you guys to get involved in. So just wanted to kind of throw that out there. It's good to be back, all right? We were gone last week, and I heard Ryan did an amazing job with his message. Good job. Um, Christy and I, uh, we want to say thank you guys. We, uh, we, we, we went on a little trip to Arkansas. We were in the backwoods. If you're from Arkansas, y'all are backwoods, all right? I'm just saying. And good, I mean good backwoods, all right? But we had this little cottage away from everything, and we felt your prayers. And we left because we just needed to recalibrate in our life. Anybody ever need to recalibrate things in their life? We need to recalibrate individually. We need to recalibrate our marriage. We need to recalibrate ministry. And so for those four or five days that we were just out there, man, we just prayed. There was nothing but bugs. It was awesome, all right? So all you heard was bugs. Just everything out there was just bugs. And so we were just praying at night for just a couple hours of time, and and God just did a tremendous work. And so we just want to say thank you for that and uh, for praying for us. And we're more more than anything... We're excited about getting back because we feel like the Lord is stirring some stuff, right? We feel like there's so much going on right now, and uh, we're, we're excited to kind of begin to share what we feel like God is doing. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be sharing just some areas of, of where we feel like God is recalibrating some things from, from a prayer increase and in intimacy. There, there's been things over uh, Labor Day weekend. If you go to the lake, you'll miss it. I'm just saying, don't go to the lake, all right? But um, we're, we're going to be talking about some dreams and visions that, that people from around the city have been having um, for, for even Reliance being a part of that. And we're not going to talk about Reliance being a part of that as like a church building. We're saying we're believing that these dreams and visions that people are having is for this body right here that are going to do great things outside of these walls. Amen. And so we're just excited to begin to share these things with you and for you guys to begin to, to dream with us and pray into those things. And, um, you know, it, to me, it's always fascinating that uh, when God begins to stir things, he can take weak vessels like us and do mighty works. Amen, church? And so um, we're just excited about that. But we are uh, going to get into Galatians. We are going to finish. I promise you, we've been in Galatians for nine weeks. Hopefully it's been fruitful to you. It has to me. Uh, but we will finish Galatians next week, I promise, all right? Actually, two weeks. Two weeks, I promise, all right? 
Um, so, so make sure that you stick around for that. But today, we are going to finish up Galatians chapter 5, and we're not going to get out of really one scripture verse. And, and we're going to talk about our focus being on freedom from leading. Somebody say freedom from leading. Let me tell you why that's so important, because we are not again, we, we need to be leaders. You've been told that. We're, we're looking at raising up leaders, but there's the right kind of leaders that we're looking to, to raise up. When I say freedom from leading, I mean from the pressure of it, because today it's all going to be about keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Amen, church? It's all about when we get to lead, we're not doing it on our own. We're keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is telling us, showing us what we need to do and how we need to lead. And so this is really what our focus is going to be about. I got one quick story I want to share with you about our trip to Arkansas, and uh, that is that we went out there to relax, we went out there to rest, and my wife, and this is so out of her character, my wife one day, she's like, let's go mountain biking on a five-mile trail, and I was like, whoa, this is Arkansas, all right? This is the Ozarks. I mean, it's like steep, like this, and, and so I was like, oh, five miles, babe, are you sure? Because I'm really good at going downhill. I need the trolley to go back uphill, Amen. And so I was like, all right, let's do it, let's do it. And so we got these bikes and these helmets, and we looked awesome. I'm just saying, we looked the part, we looked like we were professional bikers. Wouldn't you say, babe? We, we looked like we were professional bikers out there, and we knew nothing about mountain biking. I'm just going to throw that out to you. And so we go out to this place called the Passion Play. Anybody ever send it the Passion Play in Eureka Springs? It's beautiful, and uh, I guess the Walmart folks, since they're kind of out that way, the Waltons, they put in a couple million dollars worth of bike trails out there, and so we were like, let's go find these bike trails. We, we knew nothing about biking, so we get there. We can't find these trails, but we find this like access road um, that's all paved, and that's why we decided to make that our trail, and there was a sign, and it said, do not enter. It's private, It's because it, it was for the behind the scenes of the Passion Play, and my my wife, out of all people, she's like, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm like, this is so out of character. Like, I'm the one that breaks the rules. And so I was like, okay, I'm in because I'm lazy and it was a wide path and it was, it was going to be good. And so we tried biking down this, we were trying to sneak behind the scenes and, and her bike, the brakes weren't working. And so all they were doing was going, and so we're trying to sneak behind the scenes, making a ton of noise. And in my mind, we get off our bikes and we decided to walk them back up the hill because we couldn't bike back up the hill. And in my mind, I'm seeing somebody watching on their video cameras going, stupid Kansas people, right? <laughs> Flatlanders. And uh, so we finally find the first trail and we start going on this trail and it was awesome. It was a beginner's trail, but still there was ups and downs and all these different things. And so we get done, that five mile trail, we get done with it. And, and at the very end of it, I see this, like it's, it's like a black diamond trail. And the sign literally says, do not enter or you'll die. It actually doesn't say that. It says, only enter if you're like an expert mountain bike, like truly expert. I'm like, let's do it, babe, right? And she goes, why do you always do this? This is what she tells me. And so we didn't do that one, but the next day we got on a trail and it was intense. I mean, there was like little four foot drop offs and stuff and it was supposed to be a, a beginner's trail. And so I'm trying to show her, I'm trying to show off. I'm trying to show her my stuff. I'm like, check it out, babe. You know, and I'm riding this thing down and somehow I ditch her. I don't know how she's somewhere on the mountain and I'm somewhere down here. And all of a sudden I hear this, ah, and this is literally what went through my mind. I'm dead. I'm a dead man, right? 
And I hear this from the faint in the bushes. Thanks for checking on me, okay? Let me tell you what that means in woman talk. You're dead, all right? So she gets down and, and we're sitting there and I'm asking this guy who's all decked out in his bike gear. I'm like, hey man, I said, is this the easiest trail out here? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it is. I said, what are you waiting on? He goes, my wife too, all right? And, and this is how he said it. He goes, she's not really feeling it today. And I read his mind, it's, she's going to kill me when she gets down here. So we had kindred spirits in that moment. But when Christy yelled out, thanks for checking on me, it just automatically, as I was kind of preparing for the message, just automatically reminded me of this is exactly what we're talking about when we keep in step with the Spirit, okay? So Christy's idea of this bike ride was, you go down 10 feet and tell me where all the rocks and the, the, the sticks are sticking up at, right? And tell me if it's safe, right? Well, I got way too far ahead of her, and so I'm thinking about how it is when we keep in step with the Spirit that many times what we do we allow the Spirit of God to run ahead and either we lag behind or we run ahead of the Spirit of God and we wonder why we're always running into traps in life, amen? We're always wondering why we're just not, we're not making, why, why can I never get it? Why can I never make it? Why am I always coming against hardships? Why, why, why? And at the end of the day, it's because Scripture says that we're supposed to keep in step with the Spirit because He will show us the paths that we're supposed to take, amen? You see, church, I, I feel like For us, and I just want to kind of go one step further in this, I feel like for you and I today, this is the most crucial message that we have in the Christian life. Outside of Jesus' death and resurrection, the most critical thing that we have to have in the Christian life is an understanding of the Holy Spirit's role in our life. I'm telling you this. Listen, I, 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 I don't know how else to say that without yelling it and screaming it to say, look, if your whole life with God is based on your Sunday morning experience and not an intimacy with the Holy Spirit, you're missing out on the fullness of God. You're just missing out. And, and, and so for, for, for us, when we talk about keeping in step with the Spirit, which we're going to read here in Galatians 5 in just a minute, when we talk about keeping in step with the Spirit, we're saying there's such a tie together, there's such an intimacy that we have with, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, there's such an intimacy that we don't do anything unless we're walking side by side with Him. Does that make sense? Are, are, are you tracking? And when we have that kind of relationship we begin to experience the things that we read about in Scripture where we're like, holy cow, how come they have joy? And like what Ryan talked about with the fruits of the Spirit, how come they constantly have peace? Why is it they're so filled with hope? What is it about it? And it's because you understand that there's an intimacy with the Holy Spirit that we're missing in church life because we've banked our church life on salvation, Sunday morning experience, and not intimacy with the Holy Spirit every day. Amen? So, if you guys have your Bibles, Galatians 5, that was a really long intro, sorry. Galatians 5, I'm going to start with verse 16 just to set something up. Ryan spoke about this last Sunday. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. I want you to see something here. The Spirit gives us the desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. 
These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Let me tell you why this is so important. There's two things that are waging war in your heart right now. Okay? The Spirit of God is trying to lead you down the path of living water. The Spirit of God is trying to lead you down a path that brings fulfillment. The Spirit of God is trying to lead you down a path where you find purpose and hope and joy and peace and all those things. But against the Spirit of God is that desire of the flesh that's waging war against the Spirit that says, I still want to do what I want to do and nobody can tell me otherwise. And so these two things have tension Look what it says. These two forces are constantly fighting against each other. And so if you've ever read in Romans where Paul's having this talk with himself, and he's like, I know what I'm supposed to do, and I don't do it, and, and I know what I'm not supposed to do, and I do it. And he's just like, it's just madness, right? It's crazy. Because I, I, I know where the Spirit's leading me, but then there's that thing in my heart that says, but what about what I want, Right? And so Paul's trying to bring us to this place of going, this is the conflict in the Christian life. This is why many people don't want to take the step. This is why many people don't want to take the step for Jesus because somehow you think that at the end of the day, man, that he gets all the control and that you get nothing and that's just the way it's going to be. And so we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. Look at verse 24. So those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living, everybody say living. By the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading. Somebody say leading. In every, now everybody say every. In every part of our lives, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So here's what he's trying to say here. If we say that we're in Christ... And the minute that we say yes to Jesus, we have the Spirit of God in us, right? Nobody comes to the Father but him who's been drawn. So if we say yes to Jesus and if we live by the Spirit, he's saying the natural result of living with the Spirit of God in your life is that you are going to walk with the Spirit of God. He's like, it's crazy to say that you have the Spirit of God in your life, you have the Holy Spirit in your life, and you're not walking with him. It's crazy. And yet I would say that 98% of Christianity does that, Amen. And so he's trying to show us here, man, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So there's two things we're contending against here. Who leads? We're contending against two things that, 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 that Paul's breaking down here, and it comes down to who leads. And when I think of like who leads, I think of a dance. You can't dance with somebody if both of you want to lead, unless you're in a middle school dance, and all you do is this, right? You do your little rock, and it doesn't matter which way you go, because nobody's really leading. It's just super awkward, right? But once you mature, and once you grow out of middle school dancing, you've got to understand that in a dance, somebody has to take the lead, Right? And so the tension that Paul's saying is that somebody in your life is going to take the lead. The question is, are you going to take the lead or is the Holy Spirit going to take the lead? Because you both can't have it. So we have two choices. Either the Holy Spirit is our guide in life and we lean into him or we are the God, little g, of our life and we lean into our desire. That's the whole crux of the matter that Paul's bringing up here. And, and I'll just share something. You and I make horrible gods, amen? 
We make horrible gods. Like, you, you, you're a great person. You probably have the most fantastic personality. You're a horrible god. I'm just saying. All right? We, we make horrible gods. And let me share why we make horrible gods. Because if I own my own life, if I'm God over my own life, I decide what's good for me. I decide what's right for me. I decide what brings me pleasure. And when that happens, what I do is I put a huge yoke over my neck, onto my shoulders. Because the minute that I decide that I'm going to own my life, I've just put a huge burden on my life. Because now fulfillment, the thing that we're all chasing, I just want fulfillment, man. I just want fulfillment. Because now fulfillment is whatever I decide. Fulfillment is whatever I deem worthy. And I have to constantly be figuring that out. And let me just tell you, after 18 years of ministry and meeting with people, the number one thing I talk with people about is, I just feel like I'm not fulfilled. I've chased the job. I've chased the money. I've chased the girls. I've chased the guys. I've chased success, I've chased sports, I've chased trophies, I've chased whatever, whatever it is you've chased. I've chased fame, I've chased them all. Solomon says, I've chased everything. Nothing's bringing fulfillment, nothing. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, it's all meaningless, right? It's all meaningless. So when we're not willing, church, to submit to something that's greater than us, when we're not willing to submit to something that's bigger than me, i.e. Jesus, then we carry the weight of this question, what's the purpose of my life? The minute that we become God of our life, we carry the weight of the question, well, what's the purpose of my life? I have to determine that. Whereas in Jesus, I get to fall into the purpose of my life, which is him, amen? I get to fall into the purposes that he has for me. I get to fall into the hope that he has for me, the destinies that he has for me. But when I dictate as God of my life, now all of a sudden, everything about my purpose rests on my shoulders. And I'm just telling you right now, that's a lot of weight for a person to carry. So if you remember, when Paul set up this whole chapter in Galatians chapter 5, he set it up in Galatians 5.1 when he said this, it's for freedom. Somebody say freedom. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Let me tell you why this is so important because the lie the enemy has purported on people is that all of this, this Christianity thing, this God thing, this Jesus thing, all of this is simply to control you. And it's a lie from the pit of hell, it's a lie that, that Christianity and, and this God thing and this Jesus thing is all to control you. It's not. It's to bring you freedom. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Jesus is all about your freedom. Amen, church? And yet the enemy wants just to believe that it's all about control and it's all about power and it's all about somebody trying to control somebody else's life and it's just simply a lie. And so all through Galatians, we've been studying this now for eight weeks, all through Galatians, the pattern that we're seeing is this identity of freedom. We've been set free from trying to be our own gods and find fulfillment that seems like it's always fleeting. We've been set free from trying to be our own gods. We get a rest in God being God. We get a rest in God's plans. We get a rest and say, man, I don't have to know it all. I simply get to know him. Amen? We get a rest from trying to be our own gods. We get freedom. We've been free from, free from empty religion. We, we talked extensively about this. 
We've been set free from empty religion. Empty religion is this, if I can just get involved in as many religious activities, somehow God's going to love me more. We've been set free from that. Coming to church, reading your Bible, going to prayer group is not going to make God love you more. He already loves you the most. (laughs) So he's not going to try to love you more when he already loves you the most. So we've been set free from empty religion. We do those things out of our love affair with Jesus. And then we've been set free, and we've talked about this extensively in here. We've been set free from fear-based behavioral modification. And we're just going to keep saying it over and over. You're going to hear this a lot if you, if you come here. We've been set free from fear-based behavior modification and, and, and this idea that I better change or God is going to be out to get me, right? I better change or, or, or God won't like me. Like it's this fear-based mentality. We've been set free from fear-based behavioral, modica- behavioral modification and we've been set free into love-based transformation. Amen, church? And let me tell you why that's so important. Let me just break it down like this. Like one of my wife's love languages, her love languages is, is acts of service, all right? I don't even have that in my vocabulary, all right? But her love language is acts of service. Well, I'm an affirmation guy, right? I love words of affirmation. So I'm constantly, and we talk about this all the time, don't we, babe? I'm going to look at you when we do this, make eye contact you. So we constantly, I'm like, you look awesome, you're beautiful, I love you. I'm like pouring all these things out. And I'm like, I'm sharing my heart. I mean, for a guy, I'm like, here's my heart, right? I'm pouring it out. And there are those moments where she's just like, do you love me? And I'm like, babe, I just told you that I loved you like a thousand times. You see, what's happening is that that's not her love. Her love language is acts of service. So when I come home and all of a sudden it was unsolicited, all right, hear me on that, unsolicited. When I come home and I began to clean the house or I began to work, she's like, you love me. You really love me. In fact, um, we were listening to a podcast, and I was listening to this guy say that they did a poll for women, and they said, you know, name the sexiest thing that you see in, in a man. You know, it wasn't going to the gym, wasn't muscles, it was when I see him with cleaning supplies. <laughs> yeah, ladies, is that true? Yeah. So I'm just, this is free advice for you men. Go home, stand with your broom. <laughs> How you doing? Right? Whatever works, but, but at the end of the day, that right there for her, that's it. She's like, he loves me, he loves me. And, and, and here's the thing, I want you to understand something. I don't rush home and do those things out of fear because I'm like, man, if I don't get home and clean the house, my wife is going to come home and rage on me, right? I don't do that. I, I don't go home and say, I, I've got to clean the house because she's going to be so mad and like the Incredible Hulk's going to come out or whatever. I don't, I don't do that. I go home and, and, and I look around and I go, I'm going to clean this because I know that it sings to her heart. I know that at the end of the day, it's what makes her rise. And if she rises, then I rise. Amen? If she's up, then I'm up. If she's happy, I'm happy. All right? And so at the end of the day, I don't run home because I'm fearful of, of her. I run home because I love her. You see, if I ran home out of fear and tried to clean the house, there's no joy in that. There's no joy at all in me going home and going, oh, Christy's almost home. She's going to be so mad. There's no joy in that. But if I go home and I'm cleaning the house, I'm like, oh, she's going to love this. This is going to speak to her heart. This is going to make all the difference to her. She's going to really know I love her. 
There's joy in that. You see, church, I think sometimes what we do, what we do is we see God in that way. We, we rush around and we're like, God's going to be so mad if I don't do this. God's going to not like me if I don't do this. And he's like, look, I don't care about what it is you're doing. I want your heart. I want you to do it out of love. I want you to do it out of joy. I want you to do it because we're intimately connected. I want you to do it because you desire to walk hand in hand with me. Look, I don't like cleaning the house, okay? In fact, I can't stand it. But I do it because I am in love with her. And so it's the same thing with the Lord. There are times where, you know, maybe we don't want, everything in our flesh is saying, go and do this, go and do this, go and do this. But something in us says, no, man, I am in love with Jesus. And the Spirit of God is saying, well, then do this. And because I'm keeping in step with the Spirit, I'm walking in the ways of the Holy Spirit. Amen, church? Let me tell you why this is so important. Because when the Holy Spirit is engaging the heart, when he's engaging the heart, it's not just about my outside actions that matter. My heart is transformed, and because my heart is transformed, my actions will be transformed as well. And this is important because in Christianity, and I believe this strongly, we have this amazing ability as believers to compartmentalize our faith. We just do. We, we compartmentalize our faith. We're just really, really good at it. If you look at verse 25 again, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every, somebody say every again, in every part of our lives. In other, in other words, we don't get to tell God which party gets and which party doesn't get. We don't get to say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to walk with you in this part, but not in this part. At the end of the day, I want you to understand something. When he says that we allow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives, it means we're not compartmentalizing God. I think too many times what we do is we come into church, we give the Holy Spirit our hour and a half, or two hours it could be. That was a long intro, sorry. Or we, we give the Holy Spirit our hour and a half, or however long it is on Sunday mornings, and we say, I've given you that time, Holy Spirit. I let you lead me in that time. And we we walk out of these doors and the rest of the day we've compartmentalized for ourselves. Or, or, or maybe you've compartmentalized your mindset to say, you know, I do my devotions at 6.30 in the morning and, and because I do them at 6.30 in the morning, I spend an hour with the Lord from 6.30 to 7.30 and that's the time that I give the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want your hour. He wants your 24 hours. You see, we compartmentalize it and, and, and we justify it by saying, I spent time with the Lord. I, I, I gave him that time. He doesn't want that time. He wants all of your time. I love, <laughs> I love this quote by Matt Chandler, but, but it's also offensive to me as well, all right? He says, many of us are excellent church people and horrible followers of Christ, meaning that we give God our church time, but when it comes to following Jesus, we're just, we're just not good at it. He says, how do you keep in step with the Spirit? You walk with the Spirit. You follow the lead of the Spirit. You live in the Spirit. We are people who see everything in the world through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything. And so this is where Paul's trying to get us to. He's trying to get us to understand that. And so he's saying, look, follow the Spirit's leading. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I, I don't know what it is, but when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, and we've talked about this, you guys know, man, we're, if you come and this is your family, you hear us talk about the Holy Spirit a lot because we're passionate about the Spirit of God. But I want you to hear something. For whatever it is, there's some of us in here from time to time where we just have that like, 
And it, we've talked about it. We said it, you feel like you're, you're kooky if you listen to the Spirit of God, right? Like you feel like it's just kind of that weird thing where Father God, good, Jesus the Son, good, Holy Spirit, mm, struggle, right? Just, just, just kind of struggle with that. And I just want you to know, when we were in the mountains of, of Arkansas, we listened to stinking Surrey, okay? The Surrey thing, and we said, get us back. We just need to go like a mile, and she took us 12 miles out of the way. And if we're crazy enough to listen to our phones, we better be listening to the Holy Spirit, Amen. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, I was in our, our, our house the other day, and I was having this intent conversation with the kids, and, and, and I'm like, they weren't listening. I'm like, are you guys listening to me? And all of a sudden, our Alexa comes on, and she says, I'm listening. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, that's when the conspiracy side of me goes, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. It was the weirdest thing, but sometimes... Sometimes it's that little reminder of, of you're sitting there going, I don't understand why you're not listening to me. And the Holy Spirit's going, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm in. Have you consulted me? I mean, if Alexa's listening, trust me, the Holy Spirit's listening. Just saying. And one of those is more eerie than the other. I'm just going to throw that out there. And so we've got that. We've got to get over that hump. We've got to get over the hump of saying, man, this is just a weird thing. And, and here's why it's so important. I want to share something to you that I just felt like the Lord had showed me in the Old Testament. This is how important it was to God right here. Band, you guys can come up here in just a minute, but we're just going to go on. But in Ezekiel 36, something profound happens in Ezekiel 36, verse 26 through 27. That, that God is telling the people. So the people have been abandoning God. They've, they've walked away from God. They've hardened their hearts to God. They, you know, God's walking with them. And all of a sudden they say, God, we don't want you to walk with us. We're good. They go get their own kings. They do it their own way. They build their own things. They, they, they just literally say, we're done walking with you, God. We're going to walk in our own, Okay. And, and, and so Ezekiel, a prophet from the Lord, comes and he speaks this in Ezekiel 36. And he's speaking God's heart to the people that have hardened their hearts to him. He says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put, listen to this, and I will put my spirit, capital S, I will put my Holy Spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Let me tell you why that's so profound in that moment. God is prophesying something that he's going to do in his people and that he's going to do at Pentecost for us. Where he's saying, look, no matter what, you're always going to be contending with the flesh to chase after your own desires. But I, the God of the universe, who has no boundaries, who has no walls, who no one can contain, I will come and live in you. I will come and put my bigness, my holiness, my hugeness, my universal size, I will put myself in you so that you know what you need to do. Because I love you that much. Because I care about you that much. So you don't have to have it all figured out. My spirit will tell you what to do. My spirit will show you the way you need to walk. And there is magnitude in that statement. The God of the universe is saying, I love you so much that my throne room that no one can build, <laughs> my throne room that has no borders, I'll come and put it in your weak, feeble bodies because I love you that much. 
the brilliance of the Holy Spirit in our life is that if we just allow him to do his work and keep in step with him, we see the victory that we read about in scripture over and over. We talk about it all the time. Man, how do the disciples walk in healing? How do the disciples walk and have this just, just desire to spend time with one another? How is it they had such a love for one another? How do these believers do that? They do it one way, church, through the Holy Spirit. John 17, John 17, if you remember, we talked about when Jesus was praying. And he says, Father, Jesus praying to God. He's saying, Father, that they would be one as we are one. Do you remember that? That they would be one. When he says they, he's talking about us. That we would be in such unity with one another as the Father and Son are in unity with one another. He says that they would be at one as we are one. That the world will know me. Here's what he's saying. That God wants us so linked together that the world sees something different in us. And you guys remember when we said, look, there's nothing more contagious then when you see a bunch of people who come from b different backgrounds, blue collar workers, white collar workers, people out here who've had addictions, people out here with broken marriages, people out here with, with strong marriages, I mean, all of us have one thing in common in this room, and that is the fact that the Holy Spirit resides in our lives. And that one thing in common is what links us together. We may not like to do the same things, we may not have the same sports, the same hobbies, the same likes or dislikes, but we have the same love affair with Jesus. And he links us together. And as he links us together and we keep in step with the Spirit of God, all of a sudden, the body of Christ becomes an army. Amen. The body of Christ becomes a force that the enemy doesn't want to reckon with. <laughs> because the Spirit of God is leading us together in unity together. Man, there's so much that we could share. Psalm 1611 Psalm 1611, the psalmist says, you make known the path of life. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Three things that we check, that we check off in our life that we want. How do I know the path of life? How do I get joy? And how do I experience pleasures? You, you, you see, church, there's so much in us that the world and the, and, and, and the enemy wars against to say, look, God just wants, he doesn't want you to have pleasures in your life. God doesn't want, God wants you to be miserable in your life. And right here in Psalm 1611, he dispels all three of those things. In Jesus' presence, in the Holy Spirit, there is the path of life that's laid before you. There's fullness of joy and there's pleasures forevermore. It's all found in intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And how do I know, how do I know that this is real and true? Because I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen the Holy Spirit move. Look, we're, we're not well polished around here. We're not well structured. Do I hear an amen around here? We just, we just have this desire for more of Jesus. So we watch the Holy Spirit move and, and in no other way have I seen it so profound this year. As I've seen God restore marriages that were completely and utterly destroyed. I was sharing this with the first service. How do I know the Holy Spirit's real? Because I've seen a chasm between a husband and a wife and a chasm that was so big that even in, in, in the years of ministry that I've been around, I thought, I don't know that God 
is going to be able to restore that. And I know that God can do all things. I mean, I believe with faith that God can do all things. But in my mind, I'm going, that is a huge chasm. And I've watched the Spirit of God bring the husband and bring the wife. And I've watched him begin to reform and renew marriages. I've watched him take something that was so broken and shattered. And God brought it together and renewed it to where they have a strong marriage today. Amen? So I know the Holy Spirit is real. And I know that he speaks. And I know that he moves. And I know that I know that I know that he desires intimacy with you. And so we're going to close out. And the altar is going to be open. And I just want to share with you guys and just be real, just last one minute. And that is, if this is your church experience right here, this is it. Like, Sunday mornings, that's what we do. That's what I give to God. Man, I'm going to challenge you to push your limits. I'm going to challenge you to go after the Holy Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit of God. And I'm going to tell you that when you do that, joy, the path of life, and pleasures forevermore will be yours. That does not mean that tribulation and trials will not come. It means that joy and pleasures forevermore and the path of life will be yours in the midst of trials and tribulation. It means the joy comes in the morning when you've had that fright and frustration and anxiety. It means the hope comes when the fear comes. It means that when you feel overpowered, you will feel empowered by Him. This is the partnership that we get. This is why Paul says, because you live in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. So I want to pray over you guys today, and then we're going to close out. Altar will be open if you want to come. Father God, I know that there are some people in here today that they, they need that real encounter with you, Holy Spirit. And I'm praying that you would just speak and breathe life over them today. I'm asking Jesus that you'd begin to resonate in their heart. It says that no man comes to you but him who's been drawn. You've drawn people into this place today that are ready for this encounter. And so Jesus, we are asking that you begin to open the doors for us to have intimacy with you, Holy Spirit, that you would have the run of this place, that you would take away the fears and the doubts and the, and the worries of what does it look like and what does it, God, you would take away all those things and you would just put in us that joy and that hope and that love and that faith in you. So God, we just turn this moment over to you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org. 